This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Everybody is here, at least for one more time in the basement in the month of March. Because beginning tomorrow at a later time than normal, yes. this program will be just to the other side of the Mississippi River. Um, gotten a lot of questions, social media-wise and other folks. What who do you are, mean a lot of questions? Well, like questions. Five, what? ten, two. Ten. A lot of folks saying exactly, now where are y'all going to be? Jackson Square? And I said, well. We're at the gun club. We're <laughs> the, <laughs> um, Jackson Square. Toward the river, uh, south end. But here's what I found out last night that it'll nobody be Nobody knows the south end of the river. No, the south end of Jackson Square, toward they the river. They don't know the south end of Jackson Square. Well, it ain't real hard when you stand in Jackson Square and you go, there's the city and there's the river. Okay. Okay. So, because the river would be the south end. What, what direction are you facing right now? I don't know. Well, that's my, exactly my so, point. Nobody ever knows what direction Um, is. But you know what? The Washington Artillery Park is right next to Gun Club Cafe Dumont. So that's where we are essentially. Why don't we just do it for uh, from the venue? Save us, uh, <laughs> save us our sixty minute, sixty meter hurdles like Trey Cunningham running a seven point two to Cafe yeah. Dumont. So <laughs> we'll be there tomorrow at um, seven o'clock local time. They don't know local time. It's eight. central. We're at eight to eleven tomorrow there for the go. show. The show is 8 to 11 Eastern time tomorrow. Well, an hour later than normal. That's right. 8 to 11 tomorrow. Make great guest and lots of fun, laughs. Great to be in New Orleans. I love New Orleans. Weather's blown through, so we should be in good shape. I would say I like New Orleans more than you do. You, yes, you, are, you do. You are biased towards New Orleans. I enjoy the food in New Orleans a lot. Yeah, you're biased. You, I don't you, mind the city. You got that Falcon DNA. There's you just, a, there, you yep. just can't accept the locals. No, no, I like the local people. I got friends in New Orleans. Is that plural? Yes. Okay. Four or five. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> it's on one hand. But when you go in there for the road games now, I'm telling you, the Saints and Falcons, and don't and you know what? You're a big Panthers fan. Oh, my name's – you can go down there and see my name on those statues for PSL. Uh, Panther fans feel the same about the Saints as I Falcons don't, fans. No, I don't feel that way at all. Well – Because I used to work at LSU, and well, I spent way right. too much yeah. time in New Orleans. No, but Sean Kelly, who works for ESPN Radios in New Orleans, uh, resident, going to see him a little bit down there. Todd Graffanini's the voice of the Pelicans. Mike Haas does the Saints. They're all Hall of Famers in that the club that you run the president of? No, no. Are they Hall of Famers? No, no. No. None of them? No. Well, that'll be hanging with me. <laughs> I'm Hall of Fame-less. I know you are, and that's the way you like it. I kind of like it. I know you do, yeah. So we're looking forward to being in New Orleans. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock Eastern time. For Packer and Durham at the Final Four. New Orleans is going to be hopping. And I'm telling you. I, I, there was, I had two or three calls yesterday on the show of people trying to get to New Orleans for the unbelievable. weekend. You can't fly into New Orleans. Everything is booked. Right. I mean, they're like, now we're going to take a train. And some guys said, we're road tripping. We're going to, I got five guys. We found a place in uh, Mobile, Alabama. We're just going to zip on over. I mean, it's crazy. Well, Everybody trying to get down there. And here's the tricky part. Because that, no, that is the tricky part. Well, the, the tricky part is Atlanta is the Delta hub. Charlotte is the American hub. Advantage and Atlanta. Got, and you got Duke and Carolina fans trying to get to New Orleans, and they're all basically swinging from the southeast. 
This is actually really similar to a couple of years ago when Clemson played Bama in the Sugar Bowl, mm-hmm. and everybody from Clemson basically got to get to Charlotte to get to New Orleans. That's it. And getting home was mm-hmm. impossible. Like it took me like three days to get out of uh, right. New Orleans. It was it was nuts. And it's going to be the same way this way. Yep. So it's going to be fun. And we're all sitting there in New Orleans starting tomorrow. Not sitting, walking around, checking everybody out. <laughs> Making new friends and seeing old ones. Uh, so here's what I like about New Orleans, Wes. Because hmm. you know, you know, you've seen this act when I when I go on the road. I, I like to have fun with people. Yes, you do. I, I like to I like to mingle with locals. Yes, you do. And really, just see, not get in trouble, but just kind of push the envelope a little bit. That's New a Orleans, shocking development. I, I like to do it. Um, but New Orleans is like one of my favorite places to do it because there are creatures in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. There's creatures in New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you see all kinds of characters in this town. All those things you have to technically at the state fair pay for are free in New Orleans. <laughs> I love it. It's just, for me, a long weekend in New Orleans is about as much fun as an adult can have. Yeah. The ACC Network uh, will march in to New Orleans tomorrow and tonight a little bit. On and, April uh, Fool's Day. I'm yeah, that. Looking forward to being there with uh, Nothing But Net on Saturday as well. There's full coverage. Um, you can check out the ACC Network website and Twitter. There is Nothing But Net tonight from New Orleans. So there you go. Clubbing with the net. Yeah, and they're going Minneapolis and New Orleans. Kelsey Riggs is going to be the busiest person this network has ever hired. She's in Minneapolis. She'll be in New Orleans. She goes back to Minneapolis if Louisville wins and then returns to New Orleans. She ought to get on that plane with Nina King and Jim Phillips. Should. Yeah. Would make sense. That'd be the way to do it. Cost-cutting measure. Absolutely. We're pretty good at that. Got to save some money. All right. uh, We're all there in New Orleans at the Final Four because one of the great rivalries in all of sports and certainly the best in college basketball goes to its biggest stage on Saturday night. And that's when Duke and Carolina meet for the first time in the NCAA tournament, and it happens to be in the national semifinals. The winner meets the winner of Kansas and Villanova on Monday night for the national championship. Now, we have spent a good bit of time kind of walking our way up to this, and more tomorrow, obviously, and some on Saturday with the Nothing But Net Gang. But now we're getting down to kind of the dirt and the details of how this works. And these two games during the regular season could not be more different, at least in terms of score. Duke won by 20 in Chapel Hill, led from what? 31 to 8 at one point, almost led start to finish, right? It was a woodshed. Yep. North Carolina with about six and a half minutes to go at Cameron. It was a one-possession game. Packer remembered Leaky Black's up-and-under reverse layup with about 5.08 to go in the game, which was his first points of the game. And next thing you know, Carolina snapped, and they went on a big run. They end up winning 13. Yep. So now all of a sudden, here we are, the rubber match. Now, you've cobbled together some numbers, right, about where it is. I was messing around last night just because I was, you know, I always dabble with numbers just to see if there's a topic that we can mm-hmm. create. And uh, I was messing around. And the last time we've had back-to-back Duke-North Carolina games determined by double digits in the same season, you got to go back to the 2010-11 season. And in that particular year – North Carolina Duke split. North Carolina won at home by 14. Duke won in Greensboro in the ACC tournament by 17. Uh, since Coach K has taken over at Duke, there have been 12 years in which you've had back-to-back games between Duke and North Carolina determined by double digits. 
12 times. Mm. Now, early when Kay took over, he got waxed. Dean yep. Smith took him to the woodshed, right? 81-82, Carolina won both. 82-83, Carolina won both. 84-85, they actually split. But the fact that we've now gone from 2010-11 to this year mm. until we've seen back-to-back double-digit games between these two. Again, traditionally, they played incredibly close, tight, dramatic games, some that you didn't ever see coming. But this year, we've not really had a close game. So do we get that Saturday? We're kind of overdue for it, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I, I think that's the part that everybody's intrigued about. Is the game so tight, so competitive, and in the in the details here, do we get ourselves a one-possession game? I hope so. I oh, hope both I, games. I hope the first one's tight. I hope the second one's tight. Well, and here's the thing. How many times have we talked about Duke Carolina delivering, Right. Well, that, that's always the means. You know, you'll see ESPN put up that. In the last 100 games, it's 50-50 and determined by four points. Awesome. We know the games are tight. Mm-hmm. But this particular year, it has not been. Mm-hmm. Like I said, that first game, I mean, after 10 minutes, you could have gone walk the dogs, man. Chester and Fuller are like, eh, is Haley on? Let's turn the channel here. Right. Uh, this last game, the ones we were at, Cameron, was relatively close for the most part. And then North Carolina pulled away down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, do we get that again? I don't know. I, again, I always say, just entertain me, right? That's, that's my mantra for sport. Just entertain me. Um, the thing that worries me about this game, though, in this department, hmm. is given all the hype, given what's at stake, right. I wonder if one of them gets the upper hand where, hey, we're up eight, seven minutes to go. You get like a sense that, that it's over. I mean, I just think they'll fight to the bitter end. But I do wonder about these kind of games because it kind of reminds me of the college football playoff. Everybody thinks you're going to win. And then when somebody gets the upper hand, we've seen awful college football playoff semifinal games. They haven't been close other than one or two. And I think sometimes you get that mindset of, hey, when it gets away from you and you get, oh, my God, we're not going to lose this game, you see somebody pull away. I hope we don't get that Saturday night in game one or two. One thing about the Blue Devils to keep in mind, it's uh, one of the best shooting teams to move into the Final Four uh, since 2000. Uh, Duke at 53.8 is the fifth highest percentage entering the Final Four in the last 21 years. They have shot over 51% in all four NCAA tournament games. So it's yep. not one of these games where, hey, they shot 70% one game and stunk at the other one. No, right. they've been consistently good every single game making shots. Yeah, Mark uh, Mark Williams has distinguished himself in a very unique way and one, quite frankly, it has not been publicized enough in my opinion. He's the first player with 50 or more points and 15 or more blocks entering the Final Four since Anthony Davis of Kentucky. Now, see, that that number right there has not been discussed enough in terms of qualifying his performance in the tournament. And given now uh, there's O'Banner of Texas Tech, the bigs of Michigan State, Arkansas with Jalen Williams the other day. I mean, it's not been against the veggie aisle, you know, at the Harris Teeter. It's been it's been real basketball players here the last three ball games. What I like about this game and this matchup with mm. these teams right now is the bigs have both been really good. Baycott consistently good, right? 29 yep. double-doubles. You just bragged about what Mark Williams is doing. Look at the weapons right now. Bancaro is taking his game to another level. Jeremy Roach, awesome. You look at North Carolina, right? R.J. Davis could give you 30 one night. Caleb Love can go mm-hmm. for 27 in the second half the next night. Brady Manick can make everything he looks at. And, you know, A.J. Griffin making shots. 
these both of these teams seem like their weapons are peaking at the right time. They've got bigs, they got guards, they got right. wing guys. It's what you get when you got really good teams. Mm-hmm. And all four of them that are showing up in New Orleans have that mix. And that, to me, is the anticipation that we're going to get the best of Duke and the best of North Carolina on the biggest stage. That's uh, the anticipation. You saw Baycott, 63 rebounds in the NCAA tournament, six shy of the program record held by Kennedy Meeks. And, of course, that was the tournament year when they beat Gonzaga in the desert a couple of years ago in Phoenix. Carolina is 10-0, and 0, winning by a 18-and-a-half margin when they have four or more days of rest Oh, boy. Here we go diving. Four-plus days of rest, pack, And there are the numbers. Mighty Elon on December 11th lost by 17, which is not a bad number when you look at what happened to Marquette, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Boston College, Michigan. You got to check. Get out of here. (laughs) St. Peter's light. Average margin, 18 and a half. Okay. Now, I did some digging last night. Put some numbers. Find anything? Put some numbers together. This is going to get. I took both the regular season games because the margins were skewed, you know. Looky here at this. Looky here. Duke. They teach you that at Elon? Yeah, looky looky here. here. Looky here. Look at the three point shooting percentage, by the way 45 and 42, which is uh, pretty high. Duke was 16 of 38 from three. Carolina was 18 of 45. Pack, the free throws, are you ready for this? Carolina shot 16 more free throws than Duke did. Index card. And the turnover averages. Would you imagine that Carolina is plus four after two regular season games? Well, I think North Carolina's play on the defensive end has really been the difference, right? I mean, when we start talking about where this program was in January, kind of just kind of floundering, not sure Mm -hmm. which direction it was going to go in, labeled as soft, had some ugly losses. Right. Uh, I think it all started on the defensive end. And R.J. Davis taking over at the point just kind of solidified what was going on. Phil Ford was on with me yesterday. Oh, yeah. And he talked about guard play. And if Guy knows about guard play, right? Be him. Pretty good player. Um, and he talked about the fact that, man, how important it has been to value the basketball. And I think if you watch that first game on Saturday, you'll watch a team like Villanova. If you've not seen them play, they value the basketball. Right. They don't turn it over. Uh, you've got to be able to do that. You've got to mm-hmm. be able to make free throws. If it's a tight game, you've got to make shots. Man, simple as that. At the bottom of that graphic, we showed you Duke's strong shooting in the first half, Carolina's strong shooting in the second half. Let's play. You know what's gonna? Ha- I'm gonna tell. You, I swear to you, I'm, I know I'm gonna say this ten times tomorrow in New Orleans. I've seen enough stats, seen enough analytics. You're kind of ready. Let's go. Okay, let's go. All right. Um, very quickly, Kansas Villanova, by the way, should never be qualified as the undercard Saturday. Totally agree. Two unbelievable basketball teams, Pro Villanova Rams. and Pro. All right, Villanova is playing a little hurt, obviously, with the Justin Moore injury. They shoot 83% at the free throw line as a team. Not just a couple cats. The team shoots 83%. You know what's cool about that game, Wes, Mm. is tempo. Because Nova, given the more injury, given their great backcourt, wants to slow it down. Kansas wants to go 200 miles an hour. They are the best in the country, in my opinion, in transition. And Villanova might be the best in defensive transition. Wow. That has a contrast of styles in game one. There you go. Well well done. Analyst position, if I've ever seen it. Kansas averages 18 week. points a game in transition. 
Tops in the tourney. Villanova allows four points a game in That's transition. It. Steve Lapis was on yesterday. I'm dropping all the well, names. You right. have, I mean, you Dude, boys I, went star studded yesterday on we, off campus. We don't mess around on radio. No, we, we have real great guests who know what they're talking about. And Lap, of course, a former Villanova coach and got it in the DNA, just said, "Pack." And his basic breakdown was: Villanova is good enough to win one. He's worried that they're not good enough to win two because of the Justin Moore injury. I understand that. I think that makes sense. Is he going to get Kerry Kittles, by the way, down there on the floor with him before the game? He's bringing Kerry Kittles in. Let me tell you something. New Orleans, Villanova great. Let me just say this. Off off the record, he has told me some recruiting stories. Wow. Involving ACC teams. The biggest New Orleans recruit ever at Villanova was Kerry Kittles. I ain't talking about, I'm not talking about New Orleans recruit. Oh, okay. I'm talking about Philadelphia recruit. Wow. I'll let you connect dots. They have to do with Simon Gratz High School. I ain't going to say anything else. Paul Hewitt gave me some of those, by the way. I'm not going to say another yeah. one. That's, all, that's the only tease I'm going to give you. I can that's tell it. you a 1993 story where Carolina beat Michigan and the next morning. Dean Smith was with Simon Gratz with Rasheed Wallace. I am not going to say another word. The Packer and Durham Podcast. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Five point nine left. Takes a dribble, puts it up, left it short, ball tapped out into the backcourt. Four seconds, Virginia tracks it down, two seconds, up ahead, the Inquite for the win. He got it, he got it, he got it, the Inquite at the buzzer. Not for the win for overtime. Not for the win. That play, Wes, is that ball is bouncing past midcourt, five, Four, You're thinking over. Three. You're thinking this thing is done, this man. Is Virginia end. is toast. But the, once again, it was Purdue on the other side. You're like, oh, there's always a chance. It's Purdue. Man, Purdue, right? Holy cow. Every year. It. I mean. Big Ten. Every they, year. They just got to go hot at some point. I, I said the other day on Dan Dockich's radio show, can we just cap the Big Ten at five teams moving forward until they can win one? 2000 with like Jason Richardson was the last time they won a national championship. Tom Izzo was 45 years old when they Zach won. Zach Randolph, Jason Richardson, right? Mateen Cleaves. Yeah. Mateen. They won. They came through Atlanta, by the way, I think, on the way to the Final Four. But what all time? this is tied into the ACC because today's a Tony Bennett kind of day. I got to tell Charles. you, you know, Virginia fans, I, I look, got bumped out by Bonnie in the NIT. But, man, I'll tell you what, if I'm celebrating at Virginia, if I'm proud of my program, today is a day you have one for Tony Bennett. Turning point. And, I, you know, I'll be honest because the post-Terry Holland wasn't exactly clean, right? It was, Yeah, it was kind of muffled. I mean, they, they, right. they were kind Jeff of – Jeff Jones was successful for a while. Just, but it, I'm not sure who they were. I'm not right. sure they knew who they were. Right. But Tony Bennett defined what Virginia basketball was going to be about – and, you know, you go back in the history of this conference in terms of legendary hires. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Virginia fans will circle this date 13 years ago and go, guess what? Mm-hmm. You know what? It, it changed for us. Right. It doesn't take away anything that was accomplished prior to that. But he's elevated Virginia basketball to a completely, totally different level. Correct. I'm going to give you something here. And I looked this up last night, and I want to make sure I give it well, to you. Well, you were digging a lot last I night, I was you? looking through. I was looking at the show notes, paying attention, trying to help out the program. You know, that kind we of thing. We appreciate it. Yeah. No, my pleasure. Let me it's give you – Noted by others. All right. 
1991, Jeff Jones took over as the head basketball coach at Virginia. And by the way, it was not a controversial high. It was kind of applauded. He had been an assistant with Terry Holland, been a great player. Ten years earlier, had been a part of the Final Four team. He had kind of hung around the program around 84 when they went back to the Final Four, remember, and lost to uh, what they lost to Houston, I guess, in the national championship or the semifinal at the Kingdome in Seattle. That Houston team then lost to Georgetown for the national championship. Okay, this is where Virginia went from 1991 when Jeff Jones got the job to when they hired Tony Bennett 13 years ago today. Here's where Virginia finished in the ACC. Fifth, fourth, fifth, fourth, first, 1995. Then they went, Jeff Jones, 96 on. Seven, six, nine, nine, three with Pete Gillen first year. Four in Pete Gillen. Line, oh, yeah, line, yes, right? he is, Rex. Thanks. Uh, 2002, Pete Gillen, fifth. Pete Gillen, six, seven. Last year, Pete Gillen coached 05. They were 10th. Dave Lato in 2007 actually finished tied for first. That's a bar bet. Yep. Dave Lato finished tied for first, 11 and 5, 2007. And then Virginia went 10 and 11. They went 9 and 23 after finishing tied for first with Dave Lato. Okay. We tell you that to then tell you that on this date in 2010, Tony Bennett was hired as Virginia's basketball coach. And I'm going to tell you, listen to this introductory press conference and listen to what Tony Bennett says and tell me this hadn't been a win since day one. I came here to build a great team, but more importantly, I came here to build a program that lasts. And I think the way you go about that is you have great integrity and you have great passion. And that's something that I want people when they watch our teams to see it all over passion and integrity. That's the way I know how to do it. Um, when I met with President Castine and I met with Craig Littlepage, I could see that this was their vision for the program. And um, as I thought about it, everything is in place here at the University of Virginia. It's really a remarkable place uh, as we came and saw it. It has outstanding academics. It has a facility that's second to none. It has the conference, the ACC, and it has the people. It has a community that is passionate about this university. And as I think about that, I can't wait to get recruits here. I can't wait to get them here and show them what this is about. Uh, you can't ask for much more as a head coach to have a place like this that offers that. Here is the best winning percentage since Tony Bennett was hired 13 years ago today. Uh, March of 2009. Here is the winning percentages, the best by major conference teams in college basketball. A lot of blue. Kind of like this weekend in New Orleans. Right. Lots of blue. Here's the other note to give you. I would not have guessed Arizona, by the way. Would you have guessed Arizona no. on that list? No, not, not everybody else, yes, but not Arizona. Yeah, I would have been five or six on that. Tony, I hate trivia, but I, I would have missed Arizona. And Tony Bennett just fashioned – his 10th consecutive double-figure win season in the ACC. Consistent. Huh. But I know we what? played 20 games. Yeah, but, but he'd be the first one to tell you, though, there's still work to be done. And, and I think after this past year, mm -hmm. uh, watching Virginia struggle so mightily on the offensive end, um, 
that is a work in progress. Now, supposedly they're having a great recruiting class. I don't keep up with such things. Again, I always say, let me know what the rosters look like in October. But I, I think he realized that the, the deficiencies of this year's team, they were pushed to the max many times. They just simply could not make shots. Yeah. But he's I a mean, great coach. They they struggled in a department where they had been very proficient right. in previous seasons. But, but he becomes, I think, the dude, don't you? I mean, now that Kay's gone, right, at the end of the season, which is at the end of the weekend, mm-hmm. um, you know, Hubert's taking over, Shire's taking over. We got Kenny Payne now at Louisville. We'll see what goes there. Uh, you got the, you know, those dudes down here in Florida that are 70 something and rocking and rolling. Larry Nega coming off an awesome year. Leonard Hamilton is going to bounce back. There's no doubt. Jim Beheim mm-hmm. needs to bounce back because they, quite frankly, were disappointing this year. But Tony Bennett, in my opinion, is the standard I, in the league. And I'm going to add Mike Young. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, you know, Mike Young won an ACC tournament. Awesome. Tony Bennett won the national championship and has been here for a while. I I think because of Mike Young's body of work at Wofford and what he's done in three years at Virginia Tech, I think we can put Mike Young in the front end of that list. But the the leaders, what I'm talking about, the standard bearer in the league is Tony Bennett. Well, he's the one with – he and Bayheim are the two with the national championships. Yeah, but Bayheim won his 20-some-odd years ago, it seems like, forever, right? 03? True. So, yeah. and and be honest with you, Syracuse has just been okay since they joined the league. Yeah, that's okay, right. Okay, I'm being kind. Well, and I think This guy right here has been better than okay in the league I, and has won a natty that isn't dusty. Look, we were both around as kids when Bill Gibson coached. We were really around when Terry Holland coached right. and watched Virginia become this thing. To me, Terry Holland is the standard of Virginia, but Tony Bennett now with the national championship, no. he's he might have been the fo- he might have been the, for me he's the foundation guy, but Tony Bennett took them to another level in my, no in my opinion. Yeah, Tony yeah. Bennett has become the thing about Virginia basketball. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean to me Terry Holland was the guy in our era that hey Virginia was one of those guys that are going to stick their nose in your business, win an ACC title. What a question, right? Do all this, yeah, but. Tony Bennett won the Natty. I mean, you got his signature right there, literally behind no, he's, my head. I, I'm not, you got the floor. Yeah, you and I are on the same page with that one. He's the guy. Right. I mean, but Terry Holland built the thing, Foundation. put it in play, and made him a Sunday NBC, you know, thing. Super Bowl game against Ohio State where Ralph had 40 type thing, right? But Virginia's going to have to be good now. I mean, I, I think it, I think the shifting that we're watching in ACC basketball, this transition. Yeah. Until Hubert Davis establishes that, guess what? Carolina's Carolina. Get, let's get into the Final Four. He may win the national title by Monday night, and this conversation does another twist. Yeah. Right? You never yeah. know. That's why we keep score. Yeah. But where we are moving forward, given the longevity that mm-hmm. he's hired 13 years ago, back in 2009, um, what Tony Bennett's established at Virginia, he becomes, in my opinion, the centerpiece. No question. Uh, I Look, he's he's been remarkable. And you we just – I mean, we're talking 10 straight years of double-figure ACC wins. And he's a low-key kind of guy. I mean, he's, yeah. he comes on with us if he's not giving us chocolate chip recipes. I mean, he, for the most part, you know, he'll give, it, he'll give us a little shot every now and then, which we he's like. Fun. I like uh, But, I like you know, I think he takes a larger profile in the league yeah. beginning immediately. Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Hey, don't forget, tonight, look at us, huh? Look at us. When news breaks out, we break in, Pack. 
Nothing but Nets Final Four preview. Not just Minneapolis kids. We go Nolans for you too. Nine o'clock Eastern, right here on ACC Network and streaming live on the ESPN app. I mean, we are marching on to both Final Fours. Cast of thousands. Can you name another conference that uh, is covering both the men's and the women's Final Fours? I cannot. I didn't think so. No. No, this one right here, though, on this particular network, too. And look at us getting to go on the road, huh? How about us? How about us? Huh? I can't wait to get back to the old stomping grounds. New Orleans? Brooklyn, now New Orleans. Yeah, it's it's almost like you. a farewell tour. Kind of feel like my yeah. own Coach K. Hey, um, let's go to uh, Bristol, HQ, as it were, for the Atlantic Coast Conference Television Network. And that's where we find Brian Ives. Wait, well, hold on. Where's the jersey? Objective journalism here in the control room only. By the way, I like that uh, teal you got on. Yeah, is that a teal to celebrate no. the Hornets being in the play-in game? Shout out Frank's and Pauly Island. Great, great restaurant down there. It is South a great South restaurant. Frank's. It is good spot. Frank's. I'm eating there in July with uh, the Salty Golfer. Yeah, yeah that's the shirt. That's the shirt. Right. Okay, Frank's. Way to go. Nicely done. All right. What do you – trivia. You know Packer hates trivia. Hate Have trivia. you heard the rant so on boring. trivia? This it's part so, of this show's I'm history. Tell you, this is going to be the most boring segment ever. Let's do trivia. Have you heard the rant? I have not, but I can't wait to hear it during break. Okay. Me here during this segment, you don't get to this first question. All righty. First question. Um, as you all know, this is the first Final Four with North Carolina and Duke since 1991. True. True. North Carolina <laughs> lost to Kansas in the semifinal. True. That is definitely Who true. Who was North Carolina's leading scorer in that game? Who cares? Who cares? Hubert Davis. Who cares? Correct. Hubert Davis right. had 25 points right. and he lost to Kansas. Right. He was on the couch watching Duke when the Nets cut down the Nets. By the way, how good do those jerseys look right there? Huh? Look at those Carolina jerseys. All right, let's go. On hey, I was one. right about Richard Scott. There he is trying to get a rebound for Kansas. There's I'm Rick still Fox. I forgot uh, Kansas starting five, even though Roy gave us the answer I, the other day. Richard Scott's on the floor. There he is, 34. Or 24, isn't that Richard Scott? No. Roy know. was busting us with the Kansas lineup. I mean, you? you let Roy play trivia on this show the yeah, other day. Yeah, but I kind of went right past him. I mean, nobody knows Kansas starting five okay, 30 was, years ago. Go ahead. Sorry. Next question. Neither North Carolina nor Duke are a one seed. True. What was the last ACC team to win the national title that was not a one seed? Hmm. Uh, because it's Ives, I'd say North Carolina. No, it's it wasn't. Well, I wanna, this is a great segment already. No, no, I, Isn't it great? Dead air? I think Duke Duke was not a one seed when they were a one seed in 91. NC State. No. Was it Duke, Ives? Duke is the correct answer. 1991, they were a two seed. The only other ACC team that was not a one seed was NC State as a six in 1983. The last 10 ACC champions have all been one seeds. Tremendous. Two plucky underdogs, Duke and North Carolina, here in the, uh, all right. here in the Final Four. There you go. Okay. I like that. All, all right. What you got next, next question. Whose sister is on a women's Final Four team this year who's also playing in the men's Final Four? Whose sister is on a women's Final Four team? <sighs> Smith. Oh. Johnson. Stop. Okay. Jackson. 
I have no idea. Go. AJ Griffin's sister, Aubrey Griffin, is on the Yukon Huskies. She's hurt now for the season, but the Griffin family could come home with two national titles in the next four days. How about that? Okay. That's a cool story. That's a good story. Yep. Way to go. Like good, that one. good job, Ives. All you right. got another one? Last one. Before Last we lose one. Packer. Before True. we Last lose Packer. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this NCAA tournament is in New Orleans, which should give you a hint here. What freshman scored True. the most points in a Final Four? The answer is not Michael Jordan. Pack. Carmelo Anthony. Correct. Wes, you got like 80%. Carmelo Anthony scored 56 points in New Orleans in the 2003 Final Four. But look who's second and third. Michael, Michael Corrin, Corrin and Gene Banks. Michael Corrin had 31 against Las Vegas in 1977 in the semifinal at the Omni in Atlanta. Gene Banks, I want to say, was 18 and 26 against Notre Dame and uh, Kentucky, or 26 and 18, something like that, in St. Louis at the Checker Dome. I don't drink coffee, but can I get some for this segment? <laughs> we'll be sure to do it again next week. Trivia on television and radio is the most boring <laughs> Who gives a rat's, you know what? I, so, this is, I'm going to rip you. This is so boring. <laughs> I got to say, hey, back in 1912, can you name? No, I can't. So what What difference does it make? I think the most successful something? show of all time, Jeopardy, agrees with you. That's probably right. Okay. Well, okay, Alex. Look at Ives. You got frazzled the guy. I Come don't on. care. I don't care. It's a terrible segment. I'm going to be honest with you. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. What are the dogs going to do for the next four days? They're going to be bummed out. We're going to have to have a cutaway shot while we're in New Orleans of uh, the basement. We did that once before, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Live look. Robert came in here, fired up the the whole basement for a five-second cutaway shot. Yeah, the boys were uh, looking for Things have changed since then, though, Pack. (laughs) Things have changed. We don't don't have that in the budget. We don't have that in the budget for the – I'm paying for the electricity in here. I can certainly take care of that. Robert can come in here maybe and do it on an iPhone, turn the lights on, and email it to us. Just call Mrs. P. Tell her to walk down the steps and flip it on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a proud moment for Robert and his – Broadcasting Award career, effort. yeah, no question. Uh, All right, ready for no trivia. I hope, yeah, yeah, never we're do that again. not for you. No, God, we're done. We're you. done. We got. There'll be people in New Orleans that want to ask you trivia questions. And I'll keep on walking. <clears throat> I know. So, all right, Notepad is where we highlight the month gone by, offensive, defensive, surprise story, game, and disappointment, and we do it here on Packer and Durham. It's called Notepad. Note, Packer and Durham. All right. So let's start. Best offensive player. This one, I think, for you has been easy, hasn't it? Well, they're all easy for me, Wes. They're my decisions. Uh, The offensive player of the month for me, I'm going women's lacrosse. Charlotte North, unstoppable. I mean, unstoppable. Scoring machine. You want offense every single time they play, she scores. Yep. And she scores in bunches. Charlotte sure. North is my offensive player of the month in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Yeah, that's a good one. And it is dominant as well for Charlotte North. Uh, for me, it's the nation's leader in home runs. And it's not Tommy Tanks. Nope. It's Jake Geloff of Virginia. We'll be on our show later on. Yeah, Makes looking forward debut. to having him on. Uh, I mean, 
set it up and let it ride. Now, we just show you dumping one in the field there, but this guy's been a cog in Virginia's great start. Brian O'Connor talked about him a couple of weeks ago when he was with us, and they dig the long ball, Jake. So that's the best offensive player for me. Virginia offensively has been out of yep. sight. Uh, defensive player, I went I went a little off the, the crooked road here. I took Kaylin C. of Notre Dame. She won the NCAA Individual Championship in Epi at the fencing title. Notre Dame won the national championship. She was dominant. Now, I know fencing is an attack. What did uh, Amanda tell us? Stabbing guys? She, she enjoyed stabbing kids, right. boys. But there's up. also something about defending yourself here too, isn't there? I would think that if somebody comes at you with a sword, defense would be important. There you go. Yep, I would agree with that. So congratulations to Kaylin on being the uh, national champion in fencing and part of a big team title for Notre Dame. I am not sure that since we've been doing Notepad that we've ever had a fencer well, there nominated. You go. So I appreciate your diversity there. Thank you very nice. much. That could be a trivia question somewhere down the road. <laughs> My defensive player is Emily Engsler. Let me tell you something now. Oof. We keep talking about Haley Van Lith lighting it up right. offensively, and she's been great in the tournament. Well, you got to play defense too. And Emily has been tremendous yep. on the defensive end. And the fact that the cards, of course, tonight get ready to jump on South Carolina in the women's Final Four. So I went with a, a little March Madness flavor here mm -hmm. and went with D and women's basketball. Well done. Um, biggest surprises next. Biggest surprise, uh, to me, it's a no-brainer. The ACC in men's basketball is 13-3, and soon to be 14-4 and as of Saturday night in this tournament. Um, hey, we promote the league at all costs. I don't think any of us thought that 14-4 and was in an offering. If a team could get to the Final Four, it'd be great. Yep. Two teams, you got to be kidding. Throw in Miami, life has been good. The conference has stepped up and dominated this comp this tournament so far now can you close but the ACC at 13 and three really 14 and four because you know Duke Carolina is going to split that bad boy it's been a great great march for the ACC on the men's side we were on the same page here I just expanded the playbook um I put seven teams men and women combined to the sweet 16. I just thought that was a, a huge statement four on the women's side three on the men's side pack I expected the women to be good yeah, I but I seven is a big number. And obviously the three on the men may have been the surprise, as we talked about, for the overall record. Four on the women's side, you weren't sure which combination, but seven is still a really nice number for this league to go to the offseason with. It's been a great basketball month, there's yep. no question. And for a league that takes a great deal of pride, mm -hmm. and rightfully so, it's kind of been the standard. We've yep. always talked about that. You're not always the best every year, but you, you want to measure where you are, go right. check out what the ACC is doing in basketball. The women this year have been fantastic, mm -hmm. deep, loaded, talented, two teams that dominate with NC State and Louisville. Uh, cards get to the Final Four. NC State would have, with I think, with a better draw. Uh, would have, could have, should on that front. But, man, it's been a great, great year of basketball and an awesome month, without question. Uh, best story in March? Look, it, this is easy. Um, we've been chronicling the story all winter long, and now we're fortunate enough to be able to push this thing to the last – pair of ball games in some respect. Mike Krzyzewski's last ride as the head basketball coach at Duke, he doesn't want to call it a farewell. I understand that. But the reality of it is, is that this is it. 
You, we probably will not see this again at any major level of coaching. I just don't think it's in the stratosphere of the way the industry works at any level, pro, college. You may see it in high school, I guess, or something of that nature, or individually maybe with uh, some other secular sports. But the reality is in major sports, I don't think you'll see anybody coach 40 or more years at one place. And if they do, will they have the success this guy is capable of writing? So there you go. All right, my best story is bigger than Coach K. My best story is coming up this weekend. Mm. It's Duke at North Carolina in the Final Four. We've never seen it. We've seen great coaches in this league. We've seen great coaches have unbelievable success. But we've never in our lives seen Duke and North Carolina play on the ultimate stage, and that's the Final Four. Right. And it's getting ready to happen this weekend. I know there's folks that don't like either school that are sick and tired of all this hype. I get it. But you know what? you got to understand the point in history with these two programs that have been basically the standards in this league. It's seemingly forever. And we're going to see it for the first time. 36 times they've been in the NCAA tournament. They have never, ever seen each other. And here we are going to see them in the Final Four on top of it. Spectacular. Yeah. All right. Great. Best game. Best game. It wasn't a win for the league. Right. But it just took place. NC State, UConn. I, I thought the women's basketball in a, as a whole was elevated this past week in terms of big stage, primetime game, two fantastic teams uh, and they put on a show, yep. double overtime game. Uh, from our perspective in the ACC, it would have been great to see NC State punch that ticket and get to a Final Four. Uh, but despite the loss, I thought it was the best game mm. of the month. And I don't care, you pick a sport, NC State and UConn put on a great, great show this week. It's easily the best game uh, in the month of March. Uh, Could have put that too and would have. New pack would. So... I took another route, and I did the one-two in women's lacrosse we had in the month of March. Uh, this could be, and part of the reason I did this was because this could be the first of three-pack between Boston College and Carolina before we're done. They could meet again in the ACC women's tournament, and there's no doubt they could potentially meet again on the national stage. Well, the league's fantastic on both the men's and the women's side. This was a one-two, as you pointed out. Again, everybody's got their own opinion on what's the best of the best of the month, and that's yep. why we do notepad. Uh, it was a thriller, needless to say. And uh, BC had a kind of a crazy comeback trying to tie that thing up. North Carolina had the lead yep. kind of comfortably. And then BC with a furious, furious rally. All right. Biggest disappointment? Uh, trivia. Uh, just a second ago. <laughs> I was going to change my mind. Uh, the biggest disappointment of the month is that we did trivia on this show again. And it's just a total failure. Uh, just a disaster. But um, – I originally put the Women's Selection Committee. Sorry, Nina King. Um, no, you can't put number one on the road at number two. You can't do it. Uh, to me, that was the biggest disappointment. And the only reason I didn't go off when the brackets came out, because you got to get there first. Well, unfortunately, uh, we did get there, the two best teams. And I think, as Gino Oriema said after the game, both of these teams are Final Four worthy. And yeah. he could not be more correct Yep. And unfortunately, I, I thought NC State got a raw deal because eventually that's what it turned out to be. Yeah. NC State, the one seed, on the road at basically number two, Connecticut. So that was my disappointment. Um, I will uh, add that, to me, the Bridgeport Regional was just a swing and a miss by the Women's Basketball Committee. It, it is my biggest disappointment, the regional itself. The fact that they sat in the room and looked at the board and it still happened. 
Um, because I think the event's bigger than that now. I think the event doesn't need that. Um, That's why I asked Nina King the question the other day when she was on. When you got done, did you take a look back and go, okay, are we missing something? You right. Because you know, it's like any other job that we do. Mm-hmm. You know, you start working on numbers and analytics and all that stuff, and sometimes the, the, the answer's right in front of you and you yeah. can't find it, right? And sometimes you just need to go walk out, take a walk, some fresh air, come back, and you go, oh, there's the problem. Mm-hmm. I just thought that, oh, there's the problem. UConn should not have been hosting that game against NC State. Let me ask you this. Yesterday in Minneapolis, Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA. Is he still alive? Yeah, he is. Um, And Lynn Holtzman, who is the vice president of women's basketball, she and Dan Gavitt have worked in trying to create the equality for both the events. Mark Emmert and Lynn Holtzman had some press availability yesterday at the Target Center. Oh, great. And That would be riveting. They do uh, trivia? No, no, surprisingly. Um he talked about where they're going, but obviously in, in typical Emmert fashion did not do any specifics. Of course. Why does anyone right. put a microphone in front of them? Right. So here's the thing. I mean, we've talked about this, and we've talked to enough coaches. We've talked to enough people, whether it's a great Hall of Fame coach like Muffet McGraw, whether it's somebody that covers the game intently like Kelly Gramlich, who's on our network. Uh, we've asked Nina King about this. Uh, Jeff Walls is going to be with us at 9 o'clock. I'm going to ask him the same question I've asked this week. Where do you think we're going with this event? What's going to happen with this event? Where's the financials in this event? Don Staley and Tara Vanderveer went there. You know why? They can. They went ahead and talked about the financials of the women's event. Pack, the bottom line is this. If the NCAA does not take advantage of this window right now with the Women's Basketball Championship, when are they going to take advantage of it? they take advantage of anything Wes I think they're I think the women's game has now positioned itself because of the quality of the game correct to be able to take the next step but like everything else you know the smart people are always a step ahead mm-hmm. I don't associate the NCAA with a step ahead that's the problem mm-hmm. but the, the the ladies have done a fabulous job and that's why I highlighted NC State UConn on notepad I you could make the case it's been the best tournament game I've watched, men or women, in March. That's how good the game was the yeah. other night. And so you've got to take advantage of that and say, guess what? We are a standalone entity. We can handle this. And if you want equality, hey, there is the ultimate inequality. Take it and run with it. Mm-hmm. So I hope they, I hope they, the powers that be, do exactly that yeah. and move forward. I mean, and look, the other element here that's – staring the NCAA right in the face is dollars on the contract for television. I mean, our company, look, I'll be right there with you. Our company's done a terrific job with this event. A no, terrific job. There's no doubt. And Minneapolis will will be tremendous as well from our network's perspective and the big network. The idea that the NCAA has packaged it up with 23 or 24 other championship events, it's not good. No, it, it, you know, you want equality? Guess what? This is not the rowing department. You know, and I'm no knock on rowing. You know, I'm pro rowing, mm-hmm. as you well know. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but you've got a sport that can take off. Yep. Let it run, man. Let it ride. Yep. Right? Let it ride. Yep. And that's what the women's tournament should do. NCAA needs to get after it, in my opinion. And I think you've got your, your constituency telling you to do it. 
So don't have another awkward press conference where you can't give any specificity to the event that is obviously generating interest and enthusiasm and excitement. And also, when you have that event, you have to hold that event accountable. And that's what happened with Bridgeport. The Packer and Durham Podcast. 